Hallelujah. How many love Jesus? No, 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 no. How many really, really love Jesus? Well, you're in the right place. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Vincent Leo, for the, again, the honor and privilege to be with Glad Tidings. What a great name, Glad Tidings. This is what we're about, sharing the good news to people who need hope. So uh, thanks for allowing us to be with us. We've been with you. We've been this week in uh, Kuala Lumpur area. Last week, we were in Sri Lanka. The week before, we're in Dominican Republic. And so it's been a long tour. My wife is ready for me to come home tonight. So it'll be good. Hey, uh, I heard the story of a uh, baby camel and a mama camel. They were talking one day. And the baby camel was asking the mama camel some questions. And said, Mama, why are we so different than other animals? She said, what do you mean? Well, look at our feet. Our feet are really wide and thick and, 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 and big and other animals don't have feet like ours. Well, the mama camel said, that's easy. God gave us these big feet. So as we trek through the desert sands, we'll have a firm foundation. We won't sink into the sand. Oh, okay. The baby camels thought that made sense. And uh, I have another question, mama. Why, uh, why do we have these long eyelashes? No other animals have like that. She said, well, again, God gave us those long eyelashes as we make the long trek through the desert sands so the wind won't blow into our eyes, or the sand into our eyes. It serves as a filter. Oh, okay. Well, Mama, why do we have this big hump in our backs? Other animals don't have this hump. Well, again, God gave us this as sort of a, a water reservoir so for the long treks in the desert, we will stay hydrated. Oh, okay. One more question, Mama. If God gave us all these wonderful things for the long treks in the desert, why do you and I live in the zoo? <laughs> God has given you wonderful gifts, not just to, just to stay inside the church, but to impact your world out there. And today, we want to talk about living supernaturally and five things that the disciples were given and you were given also that will help you to be a strong influence, out, not only in the church, but outside the church as well. I realized this week as I was uh, reading your newspapers that Malaysia uh, just had their 19th case of COVID-19, the coronavirus. A 39-year-old Chinese woman caught it from her 67-year-old mother. Our prayers go up to all these people. It's got to be very difficult. But the question came in my mind, which is worse, to die young and not fulfill your potential or to live old and not fulfill your potential? I think maybe living old and not fulfilling your potential is where a lot of people find themselves. They, as they get older, they have regrets. Why, did I, why didn't I do this and travel here and d get this and start that business or d apply here or, or, or appreciate life more or whatever? But God also has wonderful things planned for you, things that he wrote down in a book. In Psalm 139, it describes it. He says, before you were born, I wrote down my plans for your life. I wrote down the days that I fashioned for you, God says. 
So how do we find these days that God fashioned for us? One of the great scriptures in the Bible, it says, the just shall live by what? Faith. Usually when I hear a sermon, it's, it's emphasizing that word faith. But just think about the word live for a moment. If we want to live old and not fulfill our purpose, or we, if we want to live old and fulfill our purpose, the just shall live by faith. When you take steps of faith, life comes in you. Now, picture a baby. A baby has got to have a, a big, big task, and that is how to get up on your knees and to stand up and to actually learn balance. Someone Googled it up, and they told me, they said, the average baby falls 256 times before they learn to stand. What if the baby gave up on the 255th time? And then, not only do I have to learn to get my balance so I'm not just wobbling around, but now the baby has to learn to walk, and that's even scarier. Because to walk, you have to do two things. Help me out here, okay? Number one, what do you have to do to walk? To lift your leg, okay? What's the second thing? Hurry, please. What's the second thing? Set it down, okay. No, am I walking now? No, okay. Lift my leg. What's the second thing? What? Move it forward. Am I walking now? Am I walking? Is that walking? No. What, what do I have to do? Someone said it. You have to lean. You have to lean. Trusting that leg's going to be there. Most babies will say, no, no, I, I have 256 falls. Are you kidding me? I've got to lean now too? I, I think I'll just stay standing. And that's how sometimes we get as Christians. God, you want me to take another step of faith? I, I, haven't I taken enough steps already? But the just shall live by faith. When you take steps of faith at God's bidding, of course, that's what brings life to you. When you stop taking steps of faith, you start dying. The church starts dying. God is birth. The faith is part of the oxygen of what we have. Now, God has a succession plan. I want you to think about this because Jesus, we're approaching the, the Easter season. Jesus predicted his death and resurrection, and behold, he did it. And when he resurrected from the dead, the first person he showed up and talked to was Mary Magdalene, the, the lady who had demons and now is set free. And, and Jesus reveals his resurrection to her. She's so excited, she runs and tells the disciples. And what do the disciples do? They don't believe. These are the guys that are closest to Jesus' heart and they do not believe. So Jesus tries another entrance. He he pretends, sort of hides himself. I don't know how he does it. Maybe he, he blocks their eyes from spiritually seeing who he is. But he's actually walking along with two of his disciples, his followers, into town. And they're talking about this, this great death that took place. And now the body's missing and, and that they don't realize Jesus is with them. And after a while, he opens their eyes and they see it. And they also run to tell the disciples, he's alive. But again... The disciples do not believe. Finally, Jesus visits the disciples themselves. He walks through the wall, right through the wall, into the room where they're eating. He freaks them out. They're, here he is. And what does Jesus do? 
he rebukes them for their unbelief. He says, come on, guys. I told you I was going to die and rise again. Here I am. And, and what's, what's strange is it happens after that. Jesus rebukes his disciples. The very next thing he does in the scripture, he says, okay, guys, you're it. You're my succession plan. Take this gospel into the whole world. No budget, no further training. Listen to the Holy Spirit. See you later. Wait a minute. No business runs succession plans like that. We raise up people within the business and make sure they've got a clear understanding of everything. But Jesus did that. He spent time with them. The point is, in the middle of their unbelief, in the middle of their doubts, Jesus shows up and says, I still believe in you. I still want to use you. I don't know about you, but I got, some days I got a lot more unbelief than I got faith. Sometimes I mess up. Sometimes I'm tempted. Sometimes I waste time. Sometimes I'm just not led by the Holy Spirit. I just, sometimes I just flesh out, okay? And God says, guess what? I see your heart, Tom. I still want to use you. Stop that nonsense kind of stuff, but I still want to use you. And that's what's beautiful about this thing, because God says, I have a succession plans, and he wants to use us in spite of our weaknesses. So let's read this scripture in Mark chapter 16, and let's see what Jesus said to the people, okay? Let's read this, uh, this together. Can we do it out loud? One, two, three. And then he told them, You're going to use us to go into all the world, and we're going to preach the gospel to every creature. Us, us unbelieving guys that just messed up big time, you want to use us. McLaren calls it the divine audacity of Christianity, that God wants to use imperfect people like you and I to spread his gospel. No offense to you, but if I was God, which I'm sure you're glad I'm not, but if I was God, I wouldn't choose you. I wouldn't choose me. I would choose somebody more dependable, maybe the angels, to, to, to be the ambassadors for this gospel. But God chose us. Why? Because we are the trophies of his grace. We are the ones who are forgiven. The angels don't have a testimony. You and I have a story to tell. We, and because you and I were bound with sin and now free, we have hope to bring others. In the middle of this, God says, I want to use you. So I, I want to show you a picture I saw last night. I was in my hotel. I, I leaned out the window, and I couldn't believe it. Are you familiar with this? I don't know how you guys do this. You are very, very patient people. I don't know how you just handle this kind of stuff. It, I mean, it's stopped. It's literally a deadlock stopped in both directions last night. I think everybody was going out for Valentine's dinner or something. I don't know what was going on, but it, just both ways. And I thought... <laughs> it was sort of funny because I was up on the, this high floor of my hotel and my window only opened so far. And it's raining, so my window's full of rain. And I thought, do I dare squeeze my hand with my phone? Uh, if I drop my phone, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick myself, okay? So I had to reach out and, and clean the window and then take it from inside. But the, I think sometimes we are like, this is a picture of us spiritually. Sometimes we get in our own spiritual jam. 
We're well-meaning Christians. We love Jesus. But sometimes we just get, we stop taking steps of faith. And when you stop taking steps of faith, this is what happens. We jam up. We just start, stop growing. Now, I don't know about you. I can speak for me. I think once you're older than 40 years old, uh, we naturally stop taking less. We take less steps of faith. Why? Because we we're sort of get set in our comfort, and this is the way we do it, and this is how we are, and I'm just sort of comfortable. I, I really don't want to take another big step of faith, God. I've taken enough. Thank you very much. Let's let the younger generation do it, you know? But the Bible says that even in your old age, you'll still bear fruit. God has great adventures for all of us right up until the end. But it all comes from taking steps of faith at his bidding. So, a while ago, I wrote a song about how God can use us in the midst of our, of our unbelief and our doubts and our fears. May I just take a minute and sing it for you this morning? Is that okay? Is that okay? Let me just do that. Here I am available. If you can use me, Lord, in spite of who I am, if you can trust me, Lord, when I've often missed your plan, if you will help me, Lord, when I need a helping hand, I'll say yes, Lord, here I am, here I am available cry your tears through me here I am available won't you dream dream your dreams through me it's when I come to the end of myself oh Lord that's when you take me again off the shelf oh Lord I desire to help all I can help, O oh Lord. So use me. Here I am. If you can weep through me again, though my eyes have been so dry. If you can love through me again, though I haven't cared to try. You will pray through me again, even though I still ask why. I'll say yes, Lord. Here I am. Here I am available. Cry your tears through me. Here I am available. Won't you dream? Dream your dreams through me. I come to the end of myself, oh Lord, that's when you take me again off the shelf, oh Lord, I desire to help all I can help, oh Lord, so use me.
call it the paradox of preaching. Preachers don't just preach what they've perfected. If we only preach what we had 100% perfected, we'd have only a few sermons. The paradox of preaching is we often are preaching what God is actually working in us at the moment and, and causing us and challenging us to keep growing and to take, take, keep taking steps of faith. So I want to show you these five signs that Jesus said would follow believers. How many believers are here today? Yeah, believers, yeah. So let's, let's read this next scripture together. Shall we do it? Let's do it together. One, two, three. The miraculous signs. Boy, that's incredible, isn't it? Our assignment is to believe. And if we believe, guess what? God is going to take us on a wild ride, an adventure that we uh, never thought that we'd be on. So here's the signs and wonders that God says, I want to do through you. Someone said, what's a sign and a wonder? He said, it's something that happens that makes you wonder. He said, wow, what was that about? I don't know. God just showed up and did it. I couldn't explain it. It's just a wonder. So here's the signs and wonders that God wants to do in your life if you believe what you do. Number one, supernatural warfare. Maybe you weren't looking for this when you first came into Christianity, but the Bible says, you will cast out demons in my name. Now before you get freaked out, before you think there's a demon hiding behind every rock, let me just remind you that there is a spiritual warfare going on in the world. The Bible says we wrestle not, Ephesians 6, 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Just as there's a God who's a spirit who you cannot see, he loves you immensely. There's a devil who you cannot see who hates you intensely. He doesn't hate you because he, of you. He hates you because you are you're a believer because you belong to Jesus, because God created you, and he hates God. That's why he takes out his animosity against God, tries to take it out on you. 
And the Bible says we have this spiritual tension. It's a spiritual warfare, but we do not need to fear. It's part of the battle game that we're on. And, uh, of course, there's many unseen things that are invisible and imperceptible to our naked eye. Cell phone waves, transmissions are happening into your phone right now as we speak. Data is being entered into your phone. We don't see a thing, but we know it's happening. Oxygen, the very thing we need to breathe, we can't see. Without it, we die. Lasers. I just read a report last week. Israel's developed a laser. They showed a demonstration of three drones coming in, and the laser shot a light and took them all down. What about amoeba in the water, or ultraviolet light, or infrared vision, black holes in the universe, radiation from electronics, things that we can't see? In fact, science tells you, you may not like this, but you have skin mites. And while you're sleeping, the skin mites crawl out of your skin and party around together, and then before you wake up, they go back into your skin. If that doesn't make you itchy, I don't know what will. Amen. It's, but it, things you can't see. And God is a spirit. He is unseen, yet his handiwork is everywhere. We know he's in us, yet he's unseen. So the spiritual battle we have, how do we engage in this spiritual battle? There's two key ways. Number one is prayer and fasting. When you get into God's presence, you start taking authority. No, no devil, you will not have my kids. I, I plead the blood of Jesus over my kids. I, I, tell, I, I bind the works of darkness in my family, in my business, in my health, whatever it is. You, you have authority to address the works of darkness, not in your own name, but in his name. The second way you do spiritual warfare is through worship. I'm not talking about a song service. I'm not talking about... I mean, we had a wonderful worship time. Some people worship during that. Some are just sort of looking around at the lights, okay? When you worship, it means you come into the presence of God, the very holy of holies, and you have a divine encounter. And God meets you and touches you in that moment. It's a very tender moment. And uh, you, def you defeat the enemy. Have you ever noticed when, you, when you're in the presence of God, you're just enraptured with his love, there is no fear. Worship is a fear-free zone. Are you stressed out? Worship. Worship is a stress-free zone. No worries in worship. You're, it's like a different land, a different world. And God says, I want you to learn to live in that. Cast your cares on me. and Let me be your leader. But live and be filled with the spirit of worship. Uh, this is not yoga. Okay, yoga is emptying out yourself and just having nothingness. No, in, in Christianity, we empty out ourselves and we say, Holy Spirit, you come fill me. It's not an absence and leave it there. We, we, we leave our sin, we die to ourselves, and we invite him. You put your mind in my mind. The second uh, is the supernatural language. And I love this. Uh, the Bible says here in Mark 16, they will speak in new tongues. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14 says, He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Jude 1.20, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Some of you have received a prayer language. I encourage you, use it every day. 
Some of you yet to receive it, and I just want to encourage you, God has it for you. Don't get weary. If you don't receive the first time or second time, just keep trusting God and keep seeking. Um, when I was 14 years old, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, got a brand new prayer language, and it was just wonderful. I mean, 14 years old. I actually had a vision. As a 14-year-old, I saw a blue sky, three white, or some white clouds, and three empty crosses in those clouds. Now, I don't get a lot of visions, but for whatever reason, God gave me that as just a symbol to say, okay, this is really, this is real, Tom. And as a 14-year-old boy, I'm going to impress your heart with a little of heaven. Okay? It was wonderful. But about a year ago, I was walking in Florida. Florida is the southernmost state of the USA. It's where northerners like my state in Minnesota, just below Canada, like in January and February when it's really cold, we like to go down to the, the, the tropical areas for a little vacation. So I like to go out when I'm there. It's about a 15-minute drive from my lodging. And I go out and I watch the sun rise over the ocean. It's just magical how everything comes to life again. It's almost like Disneyland. You know, wow, here it is again. Beautiful, beautiful creation of God lit up again. And so after watching the sunrise, I walked on this sidewalk that's parallel to the beach. And I came across this gal that was holding her phone like this, and she was doing a selfie video with the ocean behind her. And I thought, well, I'll just walk in front of her. I won't make any noise. Don't disturb her. But I was amazed. Because as I walked by her, I heard her say one complete sentence. Nothing more, nothing less. This is what she said. And we must continually pray in the Spirit. I thought, what's the odds of that? I'm visiting this beach at 7 a.m. in the morning. I, I walk this beach and I hear this exact sentence. Nothing more, nothing less. I said, Lord, that's a sign and a wonder. That's for me. It's a reminder for me, continually pray in the Spirit. Why? Because you do spiritual warfare, but even more so, it is God praying through you. The Holy Spirit praying through you the perfect will of God. You speak mysteries, the Bible says. And it, it, you build up yourself. You become stronger in your faith. So I want to encourage you. God has this for you as believers. Use it daily. Let it just be part of, of your devotion and building up yourself in the most holy faith. Number three, supernatural protection. Now, I, I don't claim to understand everything what's happening on this verse because they talk about taking up snakes and it's not going to bite you and drinking anything deadly, and it's sort of foreign to our culture. But I think back in that culture, they were serving pagan gods and doing all sorts of weird rituals to their gods. Uh, we see an example when Paul, the Apostle Paul, was shipwrecked, and he came to this island called Malta, and he came to this pagan group of people, and uh, while they're sitting around the campfire, a scorpion leaped up on Paul's hand. Now, their experience in this pagan culture was that if you've got a scorpion on your hand, you're a dead man. They'd never seen a man survive that. So he thought that you, they thought you must be a criminal because God, the gods, have served justice on you. But instead... Paul shook off the scorpion into the fire, and he was fine. And they were amazed, and they thought, wow, you're not a criminal, you're a god. I mean, that's how they thought. What I think this scripture is telling us is that when you walk in the will of God, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need, yes, use caution, use, use common sense, but where God calls you, he will divinely protect you. 
Well, what about things that happen to missionaries and things? They get killed. They have martyrs. All, yeah, well, if you're in God's will, you might be a martyr someday. Most of the apostles were martyrs for Jesus, and they were right in the middle of God's will. But I'm saying nothing out of God's will is going to happen to you if you're walking. God's going to give you a sense of divine protection and health. We've been to India 50 times, and uh, no offense to any Indians, but the driving over there is crazy. It's just crazy, okay? At, le at least the first time there, I'm just totally blown away. I'm without exaggeration. Every 60 seconds, that was a close call. I could have been killed right there. Another 60 seconds. I mean, I'm just on the... Now, when I drive in India, I don't even sit in the front seat anymore. I said, I cannot handle it. I've got to sit in the back seat. I'm just going to look out the window and trust God. <laughs> I'll get there safely. But their driving habits are different than mine, and so I just think we're all in imminent danger. So one trip, we make a trip, and one of my board members is coming with me. He's been there a few times with me. But this time, before he leaves America, two of his prayer intercessors call him up, said, we had dreams about you last night, and you're not coming home. In this dream, you are not returning to your family. Wow. So we prayed. We just took that as a warning from God, prayed God's hedge of protection around about us. And, and uh, on these crazy roads, you know, we, and the drivers, we'd never had an accident. We've been all over the rural areas, sometimes driving all night long. Uh, and so, but one day, while he's with us, he's in the front seat, I'm in the back seat. Wouldn't you know, that's the trip. We have our only accident. And I'm in the back seat. I'm reading some notes. My board members is in the front seat. And our driver slams on the brake. And I look up in time to see a motorcycle crossing in front of us with two men on it. And I say, Jesus! And whap, we hit these guys. Their butts come and hit the windshield, crack the windshield, and bounce off and go flying through the air. And we think, oh, my goodness. Is this a dream? This can't be happening to us. And we check ourselves. Is everybody okay? And we have like seven guys in the car. Is everything okay? Yeah. Even my board member, you can see that the whole windshield is shattered where he maybe should have come through and really hurt my or even killed my board member, but the windshield didn't crack. God held it strong for the glory of God. Turns out, they take him to the hospital. Turns out these two guys are pastors. Can you believe it? Finding two pastors on a motorcycle in India, and you hit them, that's like a needle in a haystack. And, and they released them from the hospital a few days later. Not one bone broken. God had protected them. God had protected us. So what the enemy means for evil, God puts his hedge of protection around you. Supernatural protection. So if God calls you to what you think is a dangerous assignment, don't worry. Trust God. Number four, or three, yeah, four. Supernatural healing. The Bible says, Jesus said to the guys, you're going to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Now, we believe in healing, and, but we, in America, I just didn't see a lot of healings before then. We got, you know, like you, we got a lot of good medicine that really helps us through. And so when I got my first trip to India, um, their traditions is you, you preach the gospel and you pray for the sick. So I said, okay, let's do both. So I started praying for the sick and telling, it's binding the enemy and, and loosing bondages. 
And then people would come up on the platform and testify. Say, oh, I had this pain for all these years, and when you prayed, the pain just left. And testimony after testimony. And finally, I asked the, the native Indian pastor who I was with, tell me what you think is happening. And he said, what's happening is they've gone to their religious uh, uh, doctors, their religious priests, and it's really, they've gotten worse from that. But when you came in the name of Jesus, you broke that curse and you broke that bondage and the pain left. And I went, wow, <laughs> is that cool? I'm a novice at this. I, I've not done a lot of this, but the, it's what Jesus said. You will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And who, me? Why, why are you using me in this way? And God says, I want to use you like this. It's, it's normal Christianity. It's normal New Testament. Well, the next, again, this is my first trip to India. I did two crusades. So the second crusade, I went to another city. And now I'm getting some boldness to pray for the, for the sick. And I started praying in confidence. And guess what? Almost nobody got healed. <laughs> I was so discouraged. But, oh, God, what are you doing here? It's just like I'm a yo-yo up and down here. I'm jet lagging in the middle of all of it, you know, which makes it worse. And so I'm walking after my sermon. I'm walking out with my interpreter, and we're going to our car. And a guy stops us, says something in their language, the Tamil language. And uh, I said, "What did he say?" He said, "He wants. He's, he's deaf in his uh, ear, and he wants you to pray for him." And I'm thinking, "Okay, did you did not just see God did not show up tonight? God did not use me tonight. Why do you want me to pray for you?" But I didn't say that. So I put my hand on his head, and I just began to pray. Knowing I don't have a lot of faith, I'm just doing this because he asked me to. How many know it doesn't take a lot of faith? Just a mustard seed, right? But if you use the mustard seed, God shows up. And so I'm praying for him, got my hands on his head, just praying a normal prayer. And the guy who has the deaf ear, he interrupts me. And I'm thinking in my heart, okay, this is a little rude guy. I mean, you asked me to pray for you. Now you're stopping me from praying for you. What's going on? So I turned to my interpreter. What did he say? Uh, he said, uh, you don't need to pray for me anymore. He said, the moment you touched my ear, it popped open. I said, what? Really? So it doesn't really depend on my, my extreme joy or my extreme confidence. It's just if I act on faith, God shows up. Oh, that's how it works. Oh. And from that, those times in India, I learned so much from these precious Indian people about believing God and trusting God. And sometimes people are healed, sometimes they're not. But I, I just trust God. And it's just been an amazing, amazing trip for me. But I thought, you know what, this works in India. I, I think it's the same God in America you know, maybe we should start asking God to heal the sick in America, too. So as I go through my services in America, and sure enough, God starts showing up and doing incredible healings in America. Just a month ago, I was in Florida again with my wife, and we were with, we stopped at some business, and we talked to this businesswoman, and no one, no other customers, just the three of us, and you could tell she got up from her chair. She's very painful in her back. And the thought came to me, pray for her. Now, how many, thought, how many think the devil gave me that thought? No, I didn't give me that thought, so it must be the Holy Spirit. So, I don't know this woman. I don't even think she's a believer. But I said, you know what? We're, we're Christians, and my wife and I are Christians, and uh, we believe in healing, and I see you're in a lot of back pain. Yeah, She said, yeah, I've got to have some fusion, a 
discs. I said, would it be okay if we pray for you? And she looked at me sort of shocked. And she said, well, yes, of course. How many know when you're in desperate pain, you get open to, to God, right? Sometimes God uses pain to get our attention. And so we joined hands together. I just began to pray, and I just told that pain to leave. I said, in Jesus' name, back pain, leave. God, you are our healer. We trust you in Jesus' name. And then what I do, when I, I've learned, when I pray for people, Mark eleven twenty four 24 says this, when you pray, everybody say it. When you pray, believe that you receive. Thank you. Just a mental, mental blank. When you pray, believe that you receive. Everybody say it. When you pray, believe that you receive. And so what I do when I pray for people, I ask them to say, Lord, I receive it. Because it's really not my faith. I'm just partnering with their faith. And all they have is a little mustard seed. That's okay. But this woman, probably unsaved, is still got faith and wants God to touch her. So I have this audacity as we're praying. I hardly know this gal. And I, I prayed for her. I said, now, okay, now just say, Lord, I receive. And to my amazement, she said, Lord, I receive. And we're done. I said, okay, well, check out your pain. Where, where's your pain right now? I'm thinking, what level? Did it decrease from an eight level to a six or five? I mean, that's a good sign, right? If it, if it decreases. And she, she looks and she moves her body around and then she dropped her pen, and she bent to pick it up. She said, oh, that would have caused me pain. She said, the pain is all gone. And I, I said, who did that for you? Who did that for you? She goes, oh. I said, yeah. I don't want them to think I did it, because I didn't do it. But Jesus is the healer. Everybody say it. Jesus is the healer. And God invites you on this wonderful trip that you can lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. Now, they don't always recover every time. Sometimes, and, and, and sometimes I don't understand. We just, uh, the hard thing for me to understand, I'm praying with my wife for this gal's back pain, and my wife is in severe back pain. And God heals this stranger, but doesn't heal my wife. Go figure. I don't know. All I come back is come back to the scripture, and it says, we know in part. We don't have the whole picture. So just trust God with what you don't understand and act on what you do understand. God's job, or our job is to pray in faith. God's job is to heal. Don't mix those two things up. You and I are not the healers. Our job, pray in faith. God's job, heal. And he does it in his timing. Sometimes he does it right away. Sometimes he does it as they go, like the ten lepers in the Bible. As they went, they were healed. God does it his way. But we're activating something in people's lives so I want to encourage you, you can pray for the sick. Turn to your neighbor and say, that means you. Fifth. So let's go back to this last verse now. The final verse, and this is just like amazing to me. Because this is the fifth sign. Fifth thing. Let's read it together. One, two, three. When the Lord Jesus...
wouldn't you just like to be a tag-along with those disciples at that moment? Here they went from total unbelief at his resurrection, and now they're going to be out promoting Christianity into the whole world. And, and God uses them, but not only does he use them, he goes with them. When you take steps of faith, when you lean into God's will for your life, God leans with you. He is waiting for you to lean and take the step. And when your foot hits the ground, he's there with you. You are not doing this thing alone. When you share your faith, God is there. He's already talking to people's hearts. And he's, he's moving in their lives. And the disciples went everywhere and preached many miraculous signs. There are three kinds of witnesses. There's a good witness for Jesus. There's a bad witness, and there's a non-witness. friend of mine, evangelist Bill Fay, said this, God can use your words. He cannot use your silence. Isn't that good? I wish I had said it, but my friend said it's so good. God can use your words. He cannot use your silence. Give him something to use. Start a conversation. Learn the one-minute witness. Use it. This morning as I checked out of my hotel, I got to share with a Filipino man my one-minute witness. It only takes, let me see, one minute. Right? Can you give God one minute a day? If you don't have one minute to spare, you need to go to some counseling, okay, right away. Because things are worse than you thought, okay? Give God one minute. Get trained in it. And use it. And I'm excited to see what God's doing at Glad Tidings because more and more people are getting trained and people are using it. And that's how God grows you and grows the church. So give me that picture of that traffic jam again, will you please? Because here's what I noticed as I was watching this picture. And you guys know it. You see it all the time. But there's, on each side, there's another lane for motorcycles. And the only people that were moving in that standstill traffic jam were the guys on the motorcycles. And they were zipping right by everybody. Sometimes when we're in a spiritual jam of our own, we start taking steps of faith, and God creates a lane for us out of that jam. Maybe the rest of your friends, they're, not, they're still stuck. They're still stuck where they are. But you are listening to God, and you are going to be the leader. And guess what? Some of your friends are going to follow you as well. Because you're going to show them, you're going to demonstrate that God wants to use you. It's not just about coming to church and then go and live in your secular life. We don't have a spiritual side and a secular side. We are spiritual beings, period. And we live out our life for the glory of God. And he lives through us all week long. So you begin to pray for your family. You begin to pray for your kids, for your business, for your neighbors. You begin to live the supernatural life all week long. I was flying to Sri Lanka last week. I had to stop in Kale just overnight. I flew to Sri Lanka. And I went up in the middle of the flight to use the restroom. And I went up to the front, and, the, and uh, there's a flight attendant, a guy sitting on one side, and a, and a flight attendant gal working in the little kitchenette. And I noticed the guy sitting there, he had a card in his pocket, and I could see the head of Jesus on this card. Now, I don't think that's standard uniform for Sri Lankan Airlines, okay? But he had this card, and I said, hey, I like that picture of Jesus. Tell me about. Uh, 
and he said, oh, some Catholic nuns were on the flight yesterday. They gave me this card. He pulled it out. It says, trust Jesus. I said, well, tell me about that. Do you trust Jesus? Yeah, I try to trust Jesus. May I tell you the best thing in my life? And so I gave him my one-minute witness. And he was really listening. He said, I was raised Roman Catholic. And I, I said, do you think you're going to heaven someday? Oh, I'm not sure. Would you like to know how to, to get to heaven according to the Bible? Yeah, I would. So right there, standing in the galley, I told him the ABCs, admit, believe, confess. And, and he said, that makes sense. And I said, what would stop you from giving your life to Jesus today? He said, nothing would stop me. Could I pray with you? Yeah. So right there standing in the galley of the plane at 36,000 feet, this guy prayed to give his life to Jesus. It was so exciting. He was so happy. He said, yeah, I meant this prayer. Something just happened in my life. I don't know what it is. It's just, it's just a miracle. It's supernatural. God wants to use you. Sometimes God just surprises. I didn't go to share my faith. I went up to the front to use the restroom. And God surprises you when you're equipped, when you're ready to share your faith. And it'll be one of the most wonderful things. It'll be a fun, fun journey. And you will return to your first love. So, guess what? You are Jesus' succession plan. He wants to pour out His Spirit in you. He wants you to defeat demons. He wants you to lay hands on the sick. He wants you to know divine protection. All these things we've talked about. But He wants you to go out and impact your world. And if you will take it serious, God will change your life forever. And He, he will fulfill the purpose He has for your life. Don't grow old and not fulfill your God-given purpose. Find it. Use what Jesus said. These signs will follow those who believe. Thank you for watching. Subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out on anything new and stay connected with us on our social media.